0: You are now listening to Kindred Spirits Podcast on the RFK Refugees Podcast Network. Welcome into Kindred Spirits Podcast. This is your host, John. Co-host Ted is on special assignment, so it's just me. What you're going to listen to here shortly is an hour sit-down with Washington Spirit head coach, Chris Ward. Chris had a lot of thoughtful things to say about how the season went last year, how it feels now finally getting the full-time job assigned to him, and also all of the great things that have happened at the Spirit since the offseason started. He's talked about the integrating all the new players, the injured players, the draftees, back into the roster, and dealing with all of the international call-ups that are going to happen this season. In a season where there are two tournaments challenge cup and the icc in addition to the regular season the spirit have to navigate chris did a great job explaining all those things and we really appreciate him joining us to talk about these things We're going to have this show out today, Monday, and then we're going to have our regular show, regular weekly show out for you Thursday. So if this is your first time listening to the Two Kindred Spirits, thank you. Welcome. Uh, Make sure you subscribe to this show on whatever podcast device you use and look for us to hit your inbox every Thursday before the season, during the season, and after the season. We don't take breaks. We just keep going. We're crazy. Anyway, uh, let's get right to the interview. Chris Ward, Washington Spirit. Welcome back to Kindred Spirits. Uh, I have with us our very first guest. We've had many guests as RFK refugees, but this is our first guest uh, as Kindred Spirits. We have uh, coach of the team, Chris Ward. Chris, thanks for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. So, first, congrats for being, you know, the uh, the prime the first guest the, on the maiden voyage of this uh, this new podcast. But secondly, congrats on the full appointment to manage a spirit, shedding the interim tag. I have to imagine after taking the team all the way and winning a championship you had to feel like you were negotiating from a strong position uh, in that in that conversation.
1: Yeah, I don't know which uh which accolade is better, being the first guest or having the interim tag removed. <laughs> um I think both both are quite good, but yeah, I mean it was it was such a a wild year in so many ways. And so, you know, it felt it felt great, but it was also like I guess it wasn't necessarily a goal that I had had in mind so soon. Right, and so just the way that it all came about was uh, was very special. Um, but I'm very honored, and you know I, I I take it very seriously, and so I'm I'm hopeful that I can continue to do well by all the players and the fans and everyone.
0: I can't not ask this. I heard already sort of in your media availability, uh, I think Steve Goff got an opportunity to ask you this question, but uh, having the news just break this week about Michelle Kang finally finalizing her ownership uh, of the team, how does it feel for you and the team to no longer have to deal with sort of the off the field swirling mess and understanding still there's lots of things to happen here, but knowing you now have a direct line to decision-making, you know you know where it goes up the chain, What's that? what's that mean for you individually?
1: yeah i mean i think it's it's great i think you know we had that earlier on um with steve um maybe you know before before everything had happened but then the whole the swirling of everything um changed and so now it's i think it's more just being able to set some of the weight down is a bigger part of it of of just being able to say okay this is no longer looming over us. There are still things that we have to take care of and uh, put into place, but there's no longer the the added specter of the situation. And so just having that cleared up, I think it's it's massive for everyone.
0: Yeah, I think you know, for podcasts, for fans, like having the ability to sort of laser focus on the play on the field, the players specifically. I think that's what most people wanted in the first place. So it's good that we're there. And you alluded to this too at media at media day today as well. What sort of changes are you hoping to result from this change? Sort of obviously, there are questions about training location. There's questions about sort of the the bifurcated nature of your schedule being between Segre and Audi. And obviously those things aren't going to be solved tomorrow. And even the, the sale itself isn't even really technically final yet. But what are the changes as the coach that you're most looking for that you think that this sort of settling of ownership and hopefully new, a new infusion of investment means to you guys? I
1: think so much of it is just is around creating something that, you know, overall, it's like I'm trying to find the right words for it, but creating something that sets us apart from everyone else. Um, I think that's, that's the big goal here is not just to be the best in the NWSL, but to be the best in the world. And I think there were certain steps that were taken along that path with Steve. And I think that there are now further steps that will be taken along the path under Michelle, but it's, it's really solidifying that. And so having a training ground that, you know, is unrivaled in the league, you know, that's, That's a big priority, having, having support from the fans, you know, that someone can take Portland and maybe go, you know, knock them off a little bit. Sorry for the video, (laughs) the video (laughs) signal, but you know, can, can disrupt that in terms of the, the standings of the league from that standpoint of we've got amazing fans. We needed to treat them better in many ways. And the players, uh, did everything that they could, but we believe that, you know, we can sell out and we can sell more every single game. We need to take a step forward in that direction. And that is something that, you know, was addressed in conversations with Michelle of, you know, how do we change this game day experience? And obviously COVID has affected so much of that. There are so many different things that you can't do as a result, but changing that to make sure that this is this is a premier destination on a world level uh so i think those are a lot of the things that we're looking forward to of we don't just want to be best in dc or best in virginia or maryland surrounding areas we don't even want to be best in the country we truly want to be the best in the world so now laying the foundation for that to be able to take place or building on the existing foundation uh, to be able to reach that is a lot of the excitement that surrounds it in in my
0: opinion we've talked about that on the show a lot lately is that the sort of the global standings of women's of women's professional soccer it seems to be sort of in flux right now you see uh, the league the league in england is taking big steps forward obviously they're still very small they're growing just like nwsl but even on the continent Teams that have, you know, men's teams that have, uh, you know, an excess of cash basically that just, that just piles up from how successful their men's teams are, realizing that it doesn't take a large scale investment to immediately put themselves in the conversation for, you know, being globally competitive in, in this space. So do you think it's just a matter of NWSL had an early lead? I don't want to say they squandered it. They didn't really necessarily squander it, but they definitely have seeded ground due to sort of the, the, the balancing effect of global currency, basically, and able to get your, you know, you jump up a couple of years by spending money. Is it just going to take both NWSL ownership in general, the spirit ownership, but just realizing that you have a lead, but you've got to continue to spend, like you said, off the field. You've got to continue to spend on players. You can't have players leave necessarily due to finances. They can leave because they want to go play somewhere else, but you can't let someone leave just because they want to make a, a better living. Is that, is that sort of what you think the league in general needs to do? spend money
1: <laughs> yeah there's a, there's always that factor to it and that's always a factor that's going to sway more people um than not i think though i've had conversations with friends of mine and even people like Yael yeah, laver at, at gotham since she had played in the previous league you know, we talked about like what do you think was the best league along the way and Kind of unanimously, people who had played in two or even all three of the leagues um, felt like this one was the best. I pushed back on that a little bit because I looked at the the freedom team that we had in 2009 and 2010, where we had five national team captains. Becky Sauerbrunn was a rookie at that point in time. You know, we were so solid from top to bottom and every team was. And then once that league went down and there was, it also coincided with Germany pulled their players back because they were getting ready to host a world cup. So they said, you have to be playing domestically. And then once that league went down, a couple other countries were then putting in more money into their leagues. And then it became much harder to bring those people back. You know, you, you then just failed twice. And so there wasn't a lot of faith that you could do it again. And so people went home. Japanese players went home. Brazilian players went home into Europe. Um, British players went home. Uh, like I said, the um, the German players were back. France, because of Sonia Bonpastor, had you know turned their league professional almost overnight. And so they kept a very firm grip because of Sonia uh, coming to us at the freedom that did not sit well with their with the president of Lyon and so he changed things overnight in France and so all of a sudden the ability to have you know the top players from every country in the world was removed and so you know now you know that it could have been it could be a good thing in the sense of without some of those players and the finances that they require we've been able to create a much more stable league certainly this league is the most competitive in the world. Uh, there is just, it's not even close when you look at these other leagues, you know, so I think it is that, but I also think a lot of people do want to live here. And so making it appealing for them to be able to live here um, and play here and earn at least similar money to what they're getting at some of these larger clubs. Um, it's absolutely a factor. It it, it definitely is. Um, but it's also continuing to win the trust back of some of these other countries that say like. Hey, no, we want you to be playing a more European style or, you know, we want to see this, that, or the other, you know, for us, Sonia came over, um, and played here because she wanted to experience the American style in preparation for the world cup. She wanted to understand the physicality and the speed and everything so that she could be better prepared going into the the following world cup. And, you know, that's. It's great, and i I know that she had a good time here. I understand like now she's able to take that with Leon um and build some of that. but I think it's it's I think it's worth mentioning or worth noting that you know we did have the greatest collection of talent in the world for six years, you know, across the two previous leagues. and it's still making sure that we keep faith that this is going to sustain for you know, much longer into the future to the point where we can say, okay, it doesn't matter if you're tied to Manchester United's men. We have a model that allows us to be self-sustainable so we can pay you a million dollars a year. We can pay you whatever it is and not be in a in a hole um, financially. Yeah. And so I think- you know, now so much of Michelle's investment has changed the level of the league immediately. Right. In that episode. evaluations of the team right there uh, off the bat. Right. And so I think there's a there's a lot of positive things to come from that. But yes, finances will always be a part of it. But I think it's it's just showing that now you can have the best competition
0: here. You know, in, in addition to the league, the, the standard of play still being arguably or maybe not inarguably uh, still the peak uh, as a coach who's just gone through this now. And, you know, I think the spirit did better than other teams. How do you think a, a league with this amount? Obviously, it's growing. You're adding you've added two teams last year. There is more coming down the pipe. Obviously, the the end state is is many more teams than, the, than are currently in the, in, in the league. Uh, do you think that the league can continue to sort of eat Eat its own like pull pull having expansion drafts continually do you think that that will potentially degrade the overall quality of the teams that remain or do you think there's enough depth continually coming into the league by the college draft and, and every other way that the i know fans don't like it i'm just curious from a coach's perspective as they add more as they add more teams do you think that the expansion draft remains a viable way to do so without diluting the quality of the play on the field for the other teams it's a difficult thing the expansion draft is tough and it's one of these things you get into when you talk about
1: American sports versus every other sport. And, you know, talking with people in other countries who are like, oh yeah, we didn't get paid for four months. And it's just, it's trying to understand like, okay, so you're saying your league is better, but you went four months without getting paid. That will never be an issue here. It just, it, it, it is simply not allowed. And so enforcing the equity in the way that American sports leagues do it's so hard, you know, because, you know, we lost two huge pieces for our team in Tegan and Paige. I mean, it's brutal. It's brutal for them. It's brutal for us. So it is difficult, but I think it's the expansion in general always creates a, um, like a rebalancing effect. So immediately, and I would say this probably tends to last two or three years for those expansion teams immediately there's a recalibration or there's a reshuffling of um how deep every team is and then over time that settles out there's there's a lot that can be done from you know just roster design and roster management and understand what you want and you need to have very savvy business people who understand the CBA and the rules of the league and all this kind of stuff in order to to fit everything under there. But it's also, you know, the league could say we're going to value scouting more than drafting. And so, you know, this was something when I worked in MLS of, you know, so many years, they talked about doing away with the draft. And there were only a handful of teams that really invested in scouting. And, that paid dividends in so many different ways. But if you just said, no, now you have to invest in this. Um, the draft is gone. You can go and pick up, you know, whoever you want, whenever you want. It forces it forces financial growth in one sense because you have to invest in that side of the club, but it also creates a competitive edge for the teams that know how to do that, who have the connections, who have, you know, are able to have those conversations. Um, and so it's just, it, it just becomes one of those things are you then going to be a buying club where you're only going to buy the biggest and the best or are you going to be a very financially i don't want to say thrifty because that's not really right but um
0: talent developer versus a talent acquirer right
1: like you're going to go and find people the way that arsenal used to do of uh, we're going to get these guys at 16 17 18 and then we'll sell them on you know at 25 or whatever Or are you gonna find a balance of it? Are you gonna try and do a little bit of both? And so again, it just, it forces everyone to have to take a look at their club model and what they're willing to do and so on and so forth. So there's a lot of aspects to it, but I, I think it's, expansion is always, it's always tough, but it's also necessary because women's soccer especially has proven time and time again, that this is the, this is the sports market with the most growth um or the most growth potential it is it is an untapped mine right now uh and so I think expansion great I think that we can you know we can double the number of teams that are in the league it has to be done in a very intelligent way but I think it's possible and I just I, I just think we haven't even scratched the surface of what this country is capable of in regards to this league
0: Forgive the long question on this one. There's a bit of a run-up, but I think it's I think it's important context. So one of the articles that was written about you in the season last year and sort of the insane conditions you found, you yourself and the team found yourselves in, uh, there was an element that really struck me and I called it out on our previous show, but I wanted to get your thoughts on it. And it seems like a really good indicator of your personality and sort of what you think the role of a coach is in general or, or even just maybe last year. I'm not gonna quote it verbatim, but the sentiment was when you were given the interim job, you saw a player group that was somewhat emotionally depleted, at least in that time, in some ways, but also really eager to assert themselves, particularly the veterans on the roster. you know, Some individual players sort of called out in that, in that article. And my thought was you could have looked at this as your first chance to really put your stamp on the team immediately. As a head coach, I'm Chris Ward. This is how I run my team. This is how I want to have it run out. I want, to, I want everyone to know this is how I run it out. Things are going to be different. Um, but you read the room and you saw that that's not what these particular players needed at this exact moment. And you allowed the players and the leaders in the room to have a hand in the way that things were going to go. Not necessarily you know, fully turning over the keys, but I would say at least the way it was sounding, like giving players a lot more hand in the wheel than they had been used to, maybe and then they would get other another opportunity. So was that a natural choice that you made? Or was it something that was more about the conditions that led up to getting the job where you said... Maybe this wouldn't be how I would normally do it if I was taking over midseason anywhere else, but this calls for this particular move at this moment.
1: I think it's a little bit of both. Um, for myself, I try very hard to, or I've, at least in in recent years, I've been trying very hard to cultivate a sense of awareness or self awareness to meet people where they are. And to try and understand what it is, you know, they're coming to me with. And so, an example of this, and I can't give too much detail, but essentially, I, when I was coaching in California, I had a parent approach me after one game and unloaded on me, just went ballistic, saying all kinds of terrible things. And initially, I was defensive and, I ended up being able to kind of talk this person down as soon as the conversation was over. I mean, legitimately, the second the conversation was over, I understood that that had nothing to do with me. Um, there were things going on in that family's, um, life and circumstances that were creating a lot of tension. And this was a parent who was trying to, who wanted the best for their child, who, was at a loss for how to help their child in the best way. And I was taking the brunt of that, but it really didn't have anything to do with how they felt about me. It was, I just don't know what to do. And that makes me angry and it came out on me. Um, And so that's something of, you know, as soon, as soon as the conversation was over, I recognized that immediately and it was, it was dropped for me it was that's over there's no ill will there's no grudge against the parent against the child against anything like i just i was able to put it aside straight away and that's something that i've tried to continue to work on because in the midst of everything that happened last year you're also dealing with breakups deaths in the family um people getting sick people dealing with the rightly or wrongly the how do you say the, the politics of COVID and the vaccine and everything else and um and just the politics of the country so you're dealing with all these different things and you know I'm going to training and I get a flat tire how is that going to put me in a mood today and things like that and so I really try and just be cognizant of, of um what everyone's dealing with Um, but in a way that allows them to come to me and isn't forcing myself upon them in terms of asking them to give me an answer. So that was, that was part of it. Um, And part of it was also like, I knew from day one, I knew before we started the season that we had a championship caliber team. I legitimately knew that. And for the players, especially at that point in the season, you're not doing a ton of like building fitness you're not able to spend a ton on having really long sessions or very intensive tactical, like v- difficult conversations that you can have during preseason. You have the time to be able to walk through and show tactics in preseason where people can feel it out and they can ask questions and they can move around. We were just at a different point in the season. And there, there are very clear rhythms to each season. And so we had moved into this rhythm, especially post um, our COVID break, um, where we had, to, we had to pick up points. And so that was something where, you know, we just said, okay, here's the basic foundation. Here are the basic fundamentals that we want from the team in attacking and defending on set pieces, um, we barely even touch transition, but here's what it is. And we were able to do so much video and just utilize some of the video tools that we have that then people could take that home. They could watch it at home on their own time. We could come back together at the facility and talk about it the following day. But it it just shortened the day from that standpoint of, they didn't have to be you know at work that long. They were able to go do their work, go home, watch the video on their own time, and then be able to come back and collaborate about it the next day. And so, you know, it was, it was looking and seeing they're at a place of mental, emotional fatigue. They're at a place where physically we cannot ask them to do that much. So this was the best workaround that we had at the time. And so that's, that's how I approached it. But it's, it's kind of, you know, it's, like I said, it's, it's kind of how I try to approach life in general, as well as how we approached the team and the, and the point that we were at in the season and just watching some of that play out in front of us and then adjusting. And and we're still, you know, it's the same thing now it's going through, you know, we set out very, very basic parameters to start preseason. Here's the very basic building blocks and day one, they're like, we want more, we want more, we want more. And so great. Okay. The next day we do a little bit more, the next day we ramp it up and we're like, okay, like, now we have some questions about where we're at like we got this part but this this next step is i I need more explanation here um so it's still that balance every
0: single day um in my opinion well still my compliments to you and your sort of self-awareness about the situation i just thought that that was that was hey this is john i just wanted to take a quick minute to thank you for listening to the show if you'd like to support our work and keep this train running on time there's a couple of ways you can support us First, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash rfkrefugees. Any amount you'd like to give is great. Our Patreons will get the full audio of our shows on Monday night every week a day or three days earlier than everyone else. You could also subscribe to our Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash rfkrefugees. You can either use your own money or utilize your one free monthly subscription if you have Amazon Prime. And lastly, you could buy merch. We have stickers and scarves available on rfkrefugees.com and we'll have t-shirts available later this season. We love doing this show for you guys and appreciate all the support we've received over the years. Now, back to the show. So really... I was like a very dist- distilled, I mean, I don't know you yet, but it felt. I felt like I was like, that's a, I, I feel like I know him a little bit from the, the choices he made uh, in that time. So um, to get back to the team, usually championship teams, especially coming into a double expansion year, have a hard time bringing back the core of the roster. Obviously, uh, Tegan and Paige aside, you were able to do that. How does that change your goals for the season, considering you already know what almost this exact group of players can do? It's, it's just a matter of, having that preseason, like you said, to sort of work on those new tactics and incorporate the new draftees and and just sort of, you know, try to obviously run it back, but what what are your goals knowing that you have relatively the same roster of a very talented young team? We have pretty clear targets about how and where we want to improve, uh,
1: and so improving efficiency in all aspects is a big part of it, you know, and so it's, we were able to take on so much information, but you know, how much of that gets lost along the way. And last year it was just, here's all the information, but this thing drops off or we did it well enough to get by. We don't like, no, we did. We improved defensively. Um, we improved with the ball. Well, that's in no way, shape or form, are we satisfied with anything that happened last year. And so I think there's a lot of improvements that can be made um, in that, in those aspects of, no we can win the ball back not simply faster but in positions that will open up more scoring opportunities for us um and that's a clear that's a big distinction because we look at we were looking at a clip at the beginning of the preseason from us defending against Orlando which i think was my second game um Orlando at Audi and we defended for I think 45 seconds, won the ball back, but played the ball backwards immediately. And so recognizing in that moment, where's the space to then go and attack? Is this a situation that we can create a goal from, or at least a shot from, as opposed to winning it and just keeping it? And so there's aspects like that, that that we're looking at to try and really improve because we feel like we have the understanding of the defending, but now it's how can we do it a little bit better, a little bit more efficiently? um and build on some of those kinds of things and then you know from that it's it's showing the group that it hasn't always been the case in nwsl where your spot in the team is under threat every day and we talk there's a lot that's been made about the team recently in the sense of you know seven players at us camp 11 players in national teams overall oh by the way We've got five more that are constantly being looked at by the U S we've got one that was previously in with Japan. We're looking at some others as well that, you know, this is a, it's a really different group. Like it's, we have a lot of talent and, you know, you remember last year, last year was played without Bailey Feist, without Jordan DiBiase, like straight away, You know you're going there's a real different level of competition in midfield with those two players back uh and so we feel like we've strengthened in some really good ways again it was really difficult to lose uh tegan and paige in part because of just the experience that they brought right tegan going in this is year four i think for her and year three or four and paige you know is is 28 and so you know, six or seven years of professional experience. Those types of things make a difference. And I think that was a big difference for us bringing in Sonny and Kelly last year of understanding, Oh, I've, I've won titles before I've been through the postseason. I've been through world cup tournaments before. I understand what that is. And I can give that to the younger players who haven't been through it. So to lose two players like that, it's, it's, they're amazing people, but the wealth of experience that they bring at the same time, it's hard to put a price tag on. And so you know, we still have a very, very good group, but it's with that challenge comes some things. Some people perform very well when they know that they're going to be in the team every week. Some people are used to fighting and really like, no, I gotta, I gotta earn it because within the seven players at the national team, they're not all starters. So at some level, they're still fighting for their spot there. So they understand what that is. And so it's just, putting that throughout the whole group while making them confident and proving that they're capable along the way. And that's, that's a much trickier
0: balance, um, I think. But that's what
1: we're looking at doing this year.
0: With the younger roster, with the success you guys had last year, and the return of most of the roster, do you still feel that there are? And then maybe this is too early, as you're sort of ascertaining your draft picks and other non-roster invitees, But do you feel like there are still impact pieces the team needs to add? And I say this despite the 400-person preseason roster that you guys have uh, brought to town necessarily. Uh, but I know, you know, last year there was always conversation, sort of prior you took o- prior you taking over, there was like, oh, we're looking still at a big player for the summer, and maybe. Maybe Trinity became that big acquisition. You sort of maybe didn't need to make that acquisition because of the player she uh, became for the team. But are there still are there still conversations about we need to maybe we need to strengthen here still, and maybe that's even beyond this group that we still have.
1: In the short term, uh, no. I feel like we're we're good. We're very happy with our group. In the long term, as you move towards being a global brand. As we move towards being a global brand, yeah, there are players out there that I would love to have that I think would help us. And, you know, one of the first players um, that I identified when I came to the club was Itana Bonmati for Barcelona. And at the time, not a lot of people knew her name. Um, and then she became the MVP of the Champions League, and everyone knew her name. And I was like, well- she got a lot more expensive. Yeah, she got a lot more expensive. Oh, by the way, she just signed a five-year deal at Barcelona for however much money. So now that's kind of out of the window. There are still pieces like that that I think we're looking for in sense of, no, we are, at. I say adamant, we are building towards being the best in the world. So it's there are always conversations about how can we strengthen the team? Um, but with that, it is a extremely, uh, nuanced conversation in the sense of, does this person fit our values? Does this person, are they going to fit in with our group? Are they going to fit in with the culture? Are they going to understand, um, the level of play here? There's a lot of different things that go in that are extremely hard for players when they first get here, um, adjusting to the American diet. Adjusting to the you know the time that people eat or um, what's available at the grocery store, all all kinds of stuff. And so you really have to do your homework. You have to do the diligence there to understand all of those types of things. Is this a player that's motivated by money? Cool, fine. We just want to know <laughs> because right. now now we know how we have to approach conversations. Or is this a person who's extremely intrinsically motivated that's just wants to be the best player that they can be every single day? And again, that forces a different tap. So yeah, we're we're always looking and having conversations in that regard because we're building towards um this global brand. Um, but I think right now, certainly, I, I think we're very happy and I think. The goal is really for us to push these next five into the national team. It would be very difficult for us to then field a roster. We may need a a separate set of rules from the league at that point because we wouldn't have enough to play. Um, But that's the goal. I mean, look, I I want them all to be successful in, in those endeavors, but we legitimately do have those people who are being evaluated. And so the goal is to now push them into those spots as well.
0: I'm I'm the lead and founding member of the Anna Halford-y, uh fan club, as, as much as I can be as a like fan media. <laughs> I mean, I'm curious where where you see her getting more time this year. Obviously, she was forced into duty a little bit at times in a position that was new to her, that she was learning on the job. Um, but she also got to play more of her natural position in the midfield and closer to goal. And I would imagine on a team that will have as many international absences and more of them as they go along in a season with... Two tournaments that you're playing in addition in addition to the league, her versatility has to be an asset. What do you what did you see from her last year, and what are where do you think she fits in best on on this on this roster as it's constituted?
1: And so Anna and I actually had a conversation this morning um, about this very thing, and she's so exciting. I mean, I, I was fortunate to see her during the fall series during COVID. She was home on a break, and so she was training with us to see her then versus what she was last year and the plans that we have for her going forward it's so it's so exciting and watching her come into preseason you know she's extremely hard to defend so you know we had a we had a conversation about that today and i think she's likely going to be playing wide back um that's something that she's expressed and an interest in and uh, I think we always have the ability to then move her around as needed, but that's where she wants to go and assert herself. And I think that what we're trying to do this year actually would work very well with some of her skill sets in that same sense. But that's what we talked about. But I, I had a lot of conversations with her last year where I compared her to Bernardo Silva um, from Man City and just like yeah you can play as an attacking midfielder you can play wide you can play you know up top as a center forward you can also play wide back if needed like you can do a lot of these different things and that's it's a great tool to have at times but you don't want to be the one that's left out in the cold because you're so versatile um you want to be able to develop real strengths along the way to say no I'm better than all of these people and so that's the focus you know for her this year that's that's where we've decided to start with her this year and you know through having a conversation with her it was something that she alluded to after the season ended last year um that she was interested in and so great we're going to help her be the best wide back that she can be and start kicking down doors and nwsl and the national team and you know let's let's go for it because she's just she's a really amazing human being in general she's a phenomenal soccer player but some of the conversations that i got to have with her last year you understand the it allows me to understand the depth that she has inside of her and and i just i can't
0: say enough about her she's she's awesome that's that's awesome to hear. A couple more questions, and I have some fan questions, too, if, if you've got some time for those. Of the new draft picks, obviously, early. You're not yet down in Florida. Florida, I think that's going to be the opportunity for these for the new players to really assert themselves and get an opportunity to show off uh, with all of the absences. But that said, I'm talking to you now. Is there anyone that stood out to you early or looks like they're understanding there's a big jump from college to NWSL, particularly the standard that you're trying to carry off at, as, as defending champions? But are there any players that are looking to you like that are – more ready for that that transition maybe uh than than you thought they'd be
1: they're definitely different um in the sense of understanding especially with this team and where a lot of the draft picks have been andy sullivan comes in and starts and plays every game straight away sam staub comes in and starts and plays every game straight away jordan dibiase you know the first year is in a ton of the games tegan's in a ton of the games and so you know i i don't know that any of them are quite there yet but i think you know unfortunately jordan thompson got injured and so she's going to be out this year but you know she was one who her attitude you could tell was ready for this level the way that she went about her business the way that she prepares the way that she interacts the way that she competes you know she was was that was really tough to see her get injured and then lucy and tanaya are both doing very very well um but i think it's like they're still getting used to like oh this is really fast um and like they are loving it and they are soaking up um every piece of information um but they're still a little bit like oh hey like oh wow okay um yeah playing against Emily Sonnet every day is a little bit different than, you know, playing against uh, anyone in college. Sonnet's a monster. I love her to death, but she is a monster to play against. So understanding that kind of experience. Audrey Harding's doing well. I think it's tough because I've moved her around a lot. And so that's one of the things in Florida is I want to play her a little bit more in her natural position, as opposed to being adjusted to midfield and winger and up top, which she's had to do a lot of this first week, which is a little unfair to her. Um, But we knew going into Florida that we'd be able to get her more into a role that she's really comfortable in and then see. She's not been doing poorly by any means, but she's one who's been moved around a little bit more than everyone else based off of some of the numbers that we have and things like that. And then Maddie Elwell joins in May. Um, she's finishing grad school uh, and so we'll see. And I'm really excited for her to come in. But yeah, I think, you know, right now, um, Lucy and Tania have have shown the most in the first few days um, of uh, both like going, oh, hey, this is something new, but also like, hey, no, I'm, I'm I, like, let show me film of training every single day i want to see how i can get better every single day and when kids come to you with that kind of attitude you know like okay like very coachable yeah you're setting yourself up for success
0: you're trying to do the right thing so there's some good some good things there so you're saying spirit fans might be a little bit spoiled in the last few years of having almost insta starters uh, from their first round draft picks and this is this is maybe the normal way it goes where you give a college player, an opportunity to grow into the league and get a chance to adapt.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, you look at it and, and the, you know, the comparison is last year, it's Trinity Rodman, Tara McKeown, and Helferty, Uh, you know, Trinity comes in and takes the league by storm. Someone like Tara comes in, plays a little bit, gets knocked back a little bit, and then comes on very, very strong at the end of the year. Anna comes in, is pretty consistent throughout the whole year, but is battling against some national team players in different positions. And so that's a different thing. And so I think that's all of our group right now is a little bit more like Tara and Anna. And so extremely valuable pieces, but that growth period of coming in and saying, okay, I got to get used to this because yeah, it's not a team where you're coming in and only one player is going to the national team you're coming against a super hungry group that it's all like, no, because again, it's not just the seven. It's not just the 11. It's also those other five that are like, no, I'm trying to kick the door down to get in there as well. So yeah, I think you're going to see some really big things from them, but I think for some of them, they're kind of like, oh, like, yeah, it's not, it's not just an NWSL team. It's a championship NWSL team. And that's,
0: that's a different thing
1: which is is good.
0: With very high aspirations, right? Not not even just an an, an NWSL. Hey everyone, this is John. Are you enjoying the show? We hope you are. And if you are, we'd really appreciate it if you took a second to rate and review the show on whatever platform you're listening to this on. Those reviews help new people discover the show and they help us grow our audience. And if you've got a friend or a family member who likes soccer, tell them about us thanks and back to the show championship team a team that has goals of even beyond that which is which is great to hear you've been so generous with your time i want to i want to whip through a couple fan questions uh, before you go this, this this is the last one for me challenge cup uh, i think there have been a lot of different opinions shared from players and others with the team uh, interviews last year andy a uh, couple i think ashley had some thoughts on it as well but i think no one is really a huge fan of having it as the first action in the year having it run so long Without getting in trouble with any the league or anyone else, sort of what are your what are your thoughts about uh the importance of this tournament going forward and also the way that it causes you to either change your periodization at the beginning of the season or make decisions about what are you prioritizing for? Is it win win this preseason tournament, basically, or is it be ready, be healthy for for the regular season?
1: So I can only speak to what we're going to do this season. Yes. There's a lot of opinions around the Challenge Cup and the current format the previous format the 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 very first format last year's format this year's format uh the timing of when it is all that kind of stuff honestly those are all things that happen at a level beyond any control that we have and i think an exciting thing that is taking place now is that the nwsl coaches are actually getting a seat at the table um, we've never had a coaching group before. Now we have a coaching group that is meeting on a regular basis. All the coaches are involved. It's not a select group, um, as some of the other groups in the league have been. All the coaches are involved as a major shareholder. And I think last year exposed, for better or worse, certainly it was worse. Uh, how much impact the coaches can have on the teams and the team success, and so. We're getting into having a seat at the table in, in that sense and being able to have conversations around what's why are five substitutions better than three, um, even if it's the three windows, things like that. So previously, a lot of those Challenge Cup conversations have happened outside of our group. Um, and so I can't really touch on what or why or how those decisions were made. Um, but for us going forward, you know, this year, we have the Challenge Cup. We have the league season. We also have the ICC Cup. Based off of some of the changes that I want to make uh, to the way that the team plays, Challenge Cup for us this year is honestly going to be an extension of preseason. It's not to say that we're not going to try and win, but honestly, it's a point to set ourselves up to be as physically prepared for the season as we can be. And so that's that takes a couple different forms in the sense of, you're balancing a international window in the middle of the challenge cup. Again, April 9th and 10th is an international break. And so it's also about preparing the rest of the team to be playing for five weeks in June and July when world cup qualifying is taking place, which is a completely unwelcome wrinkle this year, but we have to have them be exposed to the league and the challenges of the league early so that it's not a shock when they have to play in June and July and they're completely prepared for it. And so it's going to be a real balance throughout the challenge cup of, you know, who's in, how we're trying to build them up, what their load looks like, because, you know, right now with yeah, 38 players that we have in preseason, again, 11 of them are at one place physically because they didn't have an off season. There's another 14 or so 14 or 15 who are veterans of the league who come in understanding what the physical expectations are. And then there's that whole other group that's still making the jump and they have no idea what to expect. And they may be extremely physically fit, but they have no idea because they've never experienced it before. And so you're having to juggle all of those different things to be prepared. And so it's really these next couple months are going to be about setting us setting us up for success in the ICC and the regular season.
0: Awesome, that makes sense. A uh, couple questions here from from fans. Emily Catherine said, "How are you hoping or planning to integrate players that are out with injury? She obviously uh, Bailey Fice is one that I'm also curious about into an already stacked lineup. So just as a matter of fact, of you know they they're getting an opportunity. They're 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 practicing without restrictions now, right? Both Bailey and Jordan. And Avery, are, are they all?
1: Bailey and Avery. Jordan is not quite yet. Um, Jordan, we're still building back up. Um, this was, it was to be expected in part because she was getting married and on her honeymoon. Um, and so, you know, I said, Jordan, go, go do this. Go, like, don't fret about anything. Go and take care of it. We've got a lot of time to build you back up. So we've got a very solid plan for her to come back in. Um, but it's in part because of the depth that we have, we can make sure that we bring them along very meticulously so that they're flying when they're ready to go. And then, like I said, it's it's competition time. Um, it is whoever's playing the best. And we've got, you know, while we have a very stacked midfield, they all bring different solutions. Um, Bailey Feist does different things than Dorian Bailey, who does different things than Jordan DiBiase, who does different things from Ashley Sanchez, who's different from Andy Sullivan and Gabby Vincent and Taylor. So it's in part, this was a big thing for me last year. And it was something that the team had to get used to a little bit was it's not always necessarily the best 11 that we're just throwing out there. It's the best 11 for that situation or that game. And that changes things um for sure there are situations where playing bailey dorian and andy gives us a different opportunity um, or a different thing to expose on the opponent than you know gabby and sanchez and jordan dibiase um they're extremely different things and so you know, one, we're just making sure we're focusing that all of them are being brought along safely um, with the view that they are fully healthy all year. Um, that's the that's the biggest thing. Um, I, I want them all as happy as possible and as healthy as possible. So that's the biggest thing, but then it's, it's competition. And I think they're all looking forward to it is, you know, they are all saying, no, I should be in the national team as well. I tell you, Gabby Vincent coming in, uh, you better watch out she she can play she's got some some real tools and she has shown a lot of that just in these first few days she's going to be a real force so um, there's going to be a lot of competition and i think it's just going to make us better
0: and also bailey was was set i think last year to to have a huge breakout year obviously got injured early on so i'm, ex- I'm you know fans are excited to see how she can perform with the rest of the weapons around her she's a very exciting player Another question from Emily, besides the actual win, what was the best part of championship weekend that you recall?
1: I think the best part was we had dinner the night before and Aubrey read out like a, I don't know how long it was. It was a long list of things that had happened to us last year. And some of them were hilarious. Some of them were traumatic some of them were somewhere in between um but it was it was it was a really cathartic moment um for everyone to just kind of sit back and recognize these are all the different things that we've been through um and of course as i reminisce on that uh i will say i tweeted a couple weeks ago um a picture of the team before the championship game and that's actually i think that's my favorite overall memory um because you know we had worked so much about uh yes you know, since i took over of the group coming together and really being a unit and doing everything together having each other's backs regardless of what was going on um, never surrendering and look that that was difficult um especially because you know uh, coaching changes always are not always well received um in any situation you're going to have you know people who are happy people who are sad people who don't care um and so for the team to come together the way that they did and that picture in particular you know every before every game they take a picture of the starting 11 I had turned around, I think I was talking to Lee or I was talking to Paul and they're going to take the starting 11 picture. And I turn around and the entire team is out there. Even the players who are not rostered, they're all out there. And I got, I got choked up in that moment because, you know, it's, you see what the group has gone through to get to that point and for them to be that like present mentally to do something like that in that moment it just you know it spoke volumes about where they were the type of people that they are the type of group that they became so that seeing that was that was the most special thing to me um was that picture i think you know there's a lot of really fun moments from that weekend but that seeing that
0: was the most impactful for me my co-host couldn't make it and speaking of the championship what are your thoughts on the aesthetic of the trophy are you a fan of it? Do you think that it could be improved? What are you? What are your? What are your thoughts on it? <laughs> it's heavy. Does <laughs> it? Doesn't, it doesn't look heavy. It's heavy. It's heavy. I had to carry it home from the Wizards
1: game the other night, and I had to carry it, like <laughs> eight blocks in DC in the rain. Um,
0: that was. It's, it's. Yeah, it's a heavy trophy. Um, I don't know. It's good to win, though, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. How it looks is not as important as winning it, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. It's. I don't know that I can venture a, a solid opinion on that because I'm a soccer coach I, I don't yeah. aesthetics and things like that it's it's tough for me and, and this is for the players it's not for me so the players have better ideas I'm sure they do. Um, then I'm all for it, but the trophy it's, it's for them. It's, it's not for me. So, um, all I can say is that it's extremely heavy. It is, you have to be careful when you're celebrating with it because it could
0: cause damage to people. Um, someone got hurt, right? One of the, one of the team staff like took it in the eye or something, uh, the yeah. celebration, is that what happened?
1: Yeah. She got a concussion. Um,
0: Oh, I didn't know that. I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't uh, know it was that serious. Yeah. Uh, one, one of our team
1: MVPs are, are, uh, our player care manager Katia um, had the trophy dropped on her head during the celebrations at one point. And so she was a bit concussed, um, but you know, she's she's the
0: confirming best. its heaviness.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's it's seriously, <laughs> I, I would venture to say it's probably 25 pounds. Um, yeah. it's,
0: it's legit. Ooh. It is. It's a heavy trophy. Two more quick questions. Doug uh, wants to know, and this is outside of your, your purview, is there a more permanent solution around the bend for uh training ground uh, this year, or is it sort of you, where you are right now is where you are right now until they tell you otherwise?
1: Yeah. It depends on how you defined around the bend. Um Yes. <laughs> this year. <laughs> this year. Um I don't know. I don't know if we're working on Kansas city's timeline necessarily where, you know, they put out a training center in like four months or. know whatever it was there's still a lot of conversations that are happening around that right now and i think that is um we have two very very good options um okay and we have two options where the players are in complete control of their schedule safety you know, feeling like it is the best place that they can have to train all that kind of stuff. We have two very, very good options. And then Michelle is absolutely dead set on creating something that is the best in the world. Um, and so I think this year will continue to be a place where we're dealing with the best options that we can right now. Um, but knowing that there's a truly world-class facility that is, has been planned um, and is, is being prepared. Um, But I just, you know, I, I
0: don't know. DC real estate is different from Kansas city. Real estate. (laughs) so (laughs) Hence why DC United's out in Loudoun. That's a similar, similar reason for that, for that reason. Yeah. Um, And last question, you're on Twitter. We already talked about, you're not an aesthetics guy. You're a, you're a soccer coach, but you've seen this before. I'm sure. What are how do you feel about a theoretical cherry blossom kit for the Washington sphere? just, just, if it were to happen, do you think it would be a, this is, I, I get tagged on this. Oh, look at that. I mean, I, if you can't see because you can't cause we're on audio, I'm, I'm seeing, a, I'm seeing a tattoo here uh, yeah. by Chris on his, on his wrist. He's got a cherry blossom tattoo.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm still, so he would like it, I think. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, I think it's, I, I stayed out of that. There's, there's so much, there's so many different conversations that I have to have. Again, the jerseys are for the players. I have enough, I have a hard enough time picking my own outfit for the game. I don't know how (laughs) I can weigh in on that one. And, and I would not call myself a fashionista by any means. Um, but you know, personally, I think the cherry blossom is a symbol. It obviously means a lot to me. And I think it's something that's amazing for the city, um, how it is rolled in, uh, to a uniform uh, for sure. I think there, there are certainly, uh, ways to roll it in and have it be something that's spectacular um but that's something that i leave for our design team and our captains and that is that is not a bridge that i choose to cross and fight on um i'm again i i love the symbol personally but um how it is integrated and all that kind of stuff that's that's for another group of people
0: Chris, you're a good spirit about a good good sport about that, and the you're an implicit ally just based on your tattoo. I think people that people that like the cherry blossoms, Chris is generally on your side. Chris, you've been you've been wonderful and thoughtful in all your answers. I really appreciate it. You're gonna have a good look to you down in Florida. Uh, have perfect weather, even though we've had okay weather. You're gonna have real perfect weather, uh, and, and I just want to thank you again for taking the time to talk to our, our podcast.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank. you.